We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from the Gospel of Luke entitled By the Finger of God. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Living by Faith. You know, that's the call of being a disciple of Jesus to live by faith. I'm so blessed by the many godly uh, men in our church, the uh, fathers living by faith. I think our culture, when we think of fathers, I think there's a cultural, what I would call dunce-head dad uh, persona of how men live. Uh, Some of it's based on men's own stupidity. Some of it's based on a cultural bias against men and leading uh, by faith. In contrast to that is what I would call the faith-filled father. By that I mean not only physical fathers, which we're celebrating today, but also spiritual fathers. Men who have invested spiritually in the lives of other men and women. Uh, For the glory of Jesus Christ, I was thinking of my own father and grandfather. One living by faith, one who lived by faith. I was thinking of the legacy that they've left. I think of the fact that one of them is continuing to live by faith. One is no longer living by faith. And the reason is that he's now living by sight. What we're going to be talking about today is living by faith. How do I live by faith when I'm not in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that from Scripture. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 29. Today we're looking at how can I live by faith? What does it mean to live by faith? And what happens if I don't live by faith? Let's begin reading together. Again, we've been reading of this a story. It's a continuation of the story of when Jesus healed a, a man who was demon-possessed. This demon made him mute. He was unable to speak. And then Jesus healed him and cast out the demon. And some of the people responded. We looked at that the last a few weeks. And they said, well, he did it because he's on Satan's team. And, and the reason he cast out the demon is because he's on Satan's team. And Jesus is like, that makes no sense. And then we looked at what happens if I don't live, what would I live with compromise? And we looked at that last week, but now we're looking at the other group. Let's begin reading in verse 29. It says, and when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. I want to draw us earlier into the text again that we've been looking at the last few weeks. If you look up to verse uh, 16, uh, some of the people responded by he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of the demons. But verse 16, it said, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. What that means is that they were looking for Jesus to put on a fireworks display to do some miraculous things to prove to them that he was a special messenger from God. They were unwilling to live by faith. Now, notice that Jesus said, this is an evil generation in verse 29. When he says evil generation, we think of evil generation. What do we think of? 
We might think of a previous generation, a generation that was perhaps involved with slavery. Uh, An evil generation, perhaps, of World War II Germany. Evil generation. We can think in our minds of a generation of people that did evil things. But let me tell you this. The most evil generation in Jesus' mindset is not related to behavior. It's related to unbelief. Now think about that for a moment. The greatest evil is not a bunch of non-believers going and doing sinful, historically depraved things. It's when the people of God or the people with access to the message of God choose to respond with unbelief, especially in light of God's uh, tremendous grace. Think about two generations, two of the most evil generations in the history of mankind. First one was the Exodus generation. I mean, now think about all they saw. They saw Moses the prophet that God had raised up, and the 10 plagues. I mean, they saw stuff that no one has ever seen since. God was clearly doing a fantastic work. I mean, imagine what was going on in Exodus being in our newspapers. I mean, all Twitter would be blowing up with is the daily update on what's going on in Egypt. God was doing something extraordinary. And yet... When the people got into the Sinai area as they were going toward the promised land, they're still saying, we're ready to go back to Egypt. If you don't give us water, if you don't give us food, if you don't give us, we want chicken this time. And they walked in unbelief to the point where God eventually said, fine, you want to live like this? Fine. And he says, that generation will never enter into my rest. I would say the second and perhaps the greatest evil generation was the generation that Jesus Christ is speaking to here. They saw his power. They saw his power over demons. They saw him do miracles. And yet, as we read through the story of Luke, as we go through this, at one point, they're going to come to the place where they're going to put the son of God on a cross in unbelief. Again, unbelief is really the definition of evil. Everything else is a outflowing of unbelief. Now, what are the people saying here? What are they saying when they're looking for a sign? Uh, what is sometimes, what do we say if we're walking in unbelief? Think about the people who say this. If only God would do X, then I would follow Jesus. If only God would get me a better career. If only God would give me more friends. If only God would do X. I've been praying about this. If only God would do X, then I'll follow Jesus wholeheartedly. But until then, I'm playing skeptic. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking questions about uh, God, his existence. Uh, There's plenty of evidence to deal with there and to process. There's no problem asking questions. But when someone puts themselves in the eternal skeptic position of, I will not follow unless God gives me a sign. Not only do we ask the question, if only God would do X, then I would follow. But then here's this. This this is what also happens. Until God does X, I'm keeping him at arm's length. Until God restores something, until God does something miraculous, until God makes my tummy full or does whatever I want. Listen, God is not a Coke machine. 
God does not, I insert prayer, I insert my unbelief, and out comes miracle. God's not like that. God is a father. I think this begs the question from this generation looking for a sign, even though they had seen the miraculous right in front of them. Is our faith in signs or is our faith in the son of God? I'm going to say this can be a question for a non-believer. It can also be a question for a believer. Is my faith in signs, whatever God does for me, the most recent show of power, or is my faith in him And the miracles are a nice frosting on the cake. I think about this. What if our faith is in signs? I would call this the need for a constant fix. Like a drug fix. Like an alcohol fix. Like uh, any other, think of the other fixes. The person whose faith is in signs is essentially saying, I need my fix. And until I get my fix, I'm not believing. It's what I would call snowball faith. Snowball faith. Now, if I brought a snowball here and I held this snowball, what would happen to it? Aside from my hand getting cold and wet, it would melt. I actually thought of doing that. I thought I'd put a nice little snowball right here and just watch it drip, 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 drip. I decided against that. But basically, when we have snowball faith, a sense of I got to have a sign now or... What happens is God does something and there's a snowball, but, but, but as that, it begins to melt and melt and melt. And when it's gone, we're like, God, I need another snowball. If I, if I don't have some more, if I don't have some more, and then I'm, there's always a need for a new expression of God's power. And without it, we can't believe. But here in contrast to that is faith in the son of God, what we're being called to. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if your faith is in the person, the man Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, he's not changing from day to day. And though what he does may be different from day to day in our lives, he is the same. Our faith is in what he has done and in his love for us, his character. His promises, not in some fading sense of an expression of his power. Listen, Jesus is not in the show business. He's in the faith business. God will not give you a sign to remove your need to live by faith. God will not give you a sign and thereby remove your need to live by faith. Uh, The person who is constantly waiting on God to do things, and my faith is only as, as big as God's most recent answer to my wants or even my prayers, what you're saying is, I don't want to live by faith. I only want to live by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, as a result of listening to Meeting with God Daily, I hope that your passion for Jesus Christ is growing in such a way that you're learning to share your faith with others. You know, that's something that our church is committed to, equipping men and women to share the good news of Jesus through personal witness and church outreach. And if you don't have a church here in Columbus, Ohio, we'd love to have you join us this weekend. Go to verticalchurch.life. Notice the people, this generation, they wanted, they wanted to have a lock proof 
They wanted to have something that would, at least for five minutes, seal in their mind that, that Jesus was unique and awesome and a prophet or whatever. And I want fireworks so I can believe it for a moment. In contrast to that is what we are called to do, which is to live by the evidence in an educated faith. Now, I don't believe that faith is something mushy, something I, I just, it's all, it's all faith. I just believe that it's true and somehow it ends up being true. That's not what faith is. Faith is believing on the word of God and acting on it. It's saying this is the truth. I'm putting my faith in the God who wrote this book and I'm gonna trust him no matter what. And it's an educated faith. It's a historic-based faith. It's a, it, it's not made up or just what I feel. It's an educated faith, but it is nonetheless faith. This generation wanted to live desperately by sight. Jesus knew that would never work. God will not give you a sign to remove your need to live by faith. And some of you need to hear that message today because you desperately are wrestling in your own heart with God, I need to see it. I need to see it now. And if I don't see it by next Saturday, I'm not coming to church next Sunday because it's not real. How do we have to obey Jesus Christ? How do we walk by faith? Well, here, here's how we do it. We need to live by faith. Some of you, that means following Jesus Christ in salvation. Maybe some of you walked in here with a friend or, or you don't, you're not really sure if you have faith in Jesus Christ. And your step of faith is to say, I'm following Jesus today. I'm making a decision. Or it might be in obeying Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe God has been speaking to you from your time in his word or from a message. And you know what God wants you to do. But now it's a question whether you'll do it. Maybe you're struggling with fear and the weight of the world and the opinions of friends and all are crushing and pressing in on you. And the question is whether you will be consumed in your fear or whether you will give your fears to the Lord and walk by faith. You know, really faith, if you think of the picture, you remember the story of Jesus coming out to his disciples and they were in a boat. They were crossing the lake and you remember the storm comes and they're afraid and then Jesus comes. And you remember when Jesus comes, they're freaked out and Jesus says, listen, listen, it's I, don't be afraid. And then Peter, always the first one to talk. I love Peter. He talks then thinks for us because some of us were thinking the same thing. He says to Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on out. And Peter does what only two people in the world have ever done. He walks on water. Now pause, freeze frame that in your mind, Peter getting out in the water. And some of us, when we think about walking by faith, like I believe that's Jesus. And I know he wants me to go to him. But Jesus, I'm not coming to you until you turn this water into ice. That's my demand. If you don't turn this to ice, I'm not coming to you. And what Jesus is saying to you is come, come. You can trust me, trust me. Don't trust the water. Don't trust your instincts. Trust me. That's what Jesus is saying. I want to talk to the men for a moment. I love the fact that our church is filled with men of faith. 
because I believe that men of faith have the ability to alter the course of the future of their families by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then maybe you're not feeling like that this morning. Maybe you're not feeling like a man of faith. The truth is that might be when you're walking by faith the most. Faith is not always, faith cannot always be based on feeling and frequently it isn't. But I want to say this, men, fathers especially, your legacy is your faith. That's it. Your legacy is your faith because everything about your legacy someday will be the direct result of your faith. And whether you're a physical father or a spiritual father or both, your legacy is your faith and everything that results from that. Your legacy is your faith in Jesus. Your legacy is your faith in Jesus in hard times especially. I think sometimes we have this perception as men, and I would apply this to the sisters as well, but I think men sometimes we think that if my faith is strong, then everything will be ordered perfectly and um, the sailing will be smooth and my family will be responding and everything will be working the way it should. Here's the reality. It's the opposite. My legacy of faith is strongest when the opposition is the strongest, when I feel most afraid, when I feel most like not following the Lord, when I feel most like taking the easy way out. That is when your legacy of faith is being built, because at that time, you may have nothing else other than God's word to hold on to. That's when you build your legacy of faith. It is those critical three, four, five times in your life that when others are writing the story of your life and looking back on your life, uh, maybe at your funeral, maybe at a critical juncture late in life, when your kids, when your friends, when your spouse, when other people in their life are looking back at your legacy, it's going to be those three, four, five times and three or four, five thousand smaller times when you chose to make the decision to walk by faith. God is calling us as men to be strong, to be made strong in the power of the Spirit, to live by faith. I would challenge all the men here, whether you're a father, physically speaking or not, all of us are a part of the family of God, but especially to the fathers here or spiritual fathers. What God's calling you to do today is to begin to see your legacy as your faith, not your accomplishment in your career, not your accomplishment in the sports world or in whatever particular hobbies you have or particular likes you have. Your legacy is your faith. And what God is calling you to do is to craft a trail of faith. For some of you who are first generation believers, that means you have to get the ax out and and begin to make a trail where there is no trail. For those of you who, as I have, the gift of having two generations ahead of me is to stay on the trail and perhaps to pave the trail a little bit more for those behind me. For some of you men, it is to get back on the trail. But whatever the places you are, there are people coming behind you. And your legacy is the trail that you craft for them. The legacy you leave them 
in loving Jesus Christ and following him by faith. And then I believe that God is calling us to follow Jesus, put our faith in him. Sisters, it's the same thing. God is calling you to put your faith in him, not in what he does for you, though that's awesome. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. You'll see that more here in the text. Look back with me at verse 29. It says, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. He said, you're not getting that sign. You're not getting that fireworks display. Here's what you're getting. Me. He's saying, everything I am, my ministry, ultimately the cross and the resurrection, all of it is summed up in Jesus Christ. He says, I am the sign. My message, my ministry is the sign of God's grace to this generation. Maybe you're asking the question, well, how do I live by faith, pastor? I want to live by faith. I don't want to be that unbelieving person, that unbelieving member of an unbelieving generation. And our generation, I don't know where we rank in the unbelieving generations, but look at me in verse 31. Here's how we walk by faith. It says, speaking of the evil generation, the queen of the south, that's the queen of Sheba, will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, this queen of Sheba, she was from modern-day Yemen. She traveled. There were were no airplanes, and that is a hot area of the world, as we know. And she traveled all the way to Jerusalem, an extensive, even dangerous journey, because she had heard of the wisdom of Solomon, the wisest man ever. And she wanted to hear for herself how this wise man, inspired by God himself, she wanted to hear his message. And then Jonah himself went to the capital of the world at the time and proclaimed judgment to Nineveh. And amazingly, the people, instead of putting him on a stake and killing him, responded to the gracious message of Jonah. Both groups responded to God's grace and to the message of faith. Here's the second thought I want to give to you quickly. Your faith begins through hearing the message of Christ. If you're wondering, how do I live by faith? Your faith begins through hearing the message of Christ. Now, what do I mean when I'm saying hearing? Let me just say it's like this. I don't know if you all have any conversations around your house about hearing. We have conversations around our house about hearing, okay? It's like, you ever ever had a conversation with somebody in your family or a friend? You're like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and it's important to you. It's semi-important to you. And the person's like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm listening. I'm hearing. I'm listening, Uh uh-huh. And then, like, you say something else. You're like, wait, 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 what what was that again? And you're not sure whether you had 10% attention 
or 25% attention, but you're sure you did not have 90% attention or 100%. You ever, you know what I'm saying? Hearing. There's a difference between sound going into my ears and attention being given. In contrast to that is when you say to someone about something and they respond and say, hey, did, did I hear you right? What you're saying is this. You know, I really need to reconsider my position on X because of what you've just said. That is hearing. That is attention. Hearing is letting the words of Jesus Christ sink deeply into our soul, into our mind, into our heart, and it results in greater faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you're wondering, I need faith, I wanna grow in faith, well, this is how you get faith hearing the message of Christ. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.